Father, we just come to you. First, we want to say, Father, we love you. Second, we want to say, Lord, we want to thank you. We want to say we love you first. Because even if he had died last month, we would have still loved you. We thank you because you extended our lifespan. And it is no small thing. In this time of incredible fear and disease, it's a gift. Every day is a gift from heaven. Not only have you given us life, you have given us strength, health, and healing, Lord. We just want to thank you, Father. And this morning, we are in your church. So many places, even in the most free country, supposedly in the world, your people have not been given the freedom to gather. And in a nation like this, where we are such a small number, we have been given the freedom to gather and worship you, Lord. So, Father, we just want to thank you. We just want to thank the governments too here, O Lord, the state and the central governments, which is allowing us to gather and to worship for the freedom to worship, the freedom to declare your word in your house, the freedom to worship, to praise, and to hear. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you. Now I pray, Father, as we hear the word, you will speak to us and you will continuously set us free. Teach us to walk in your word, Lord, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, 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 amen. Like we could we could sing, we could praise, we could worship. And you think it's a small thing? Almost all the churches in California are shut and those who are allowed to gather are not allowed to sing. In the United States of America, congregations are not allowed to sing by law, taking the Parasite, the germ, the virus will spread. And we have we can sing. No, we can sing. We, we are not understanding the privileges God is so freely giving us. So we, let's go back. I hope you remember you have done your homework. We are with Elijah on Mount Carmel, but today we are not looking at Elijah. We are looking at something else, but connected. Okay? Remember, we are looking, we are trying to bring order. Like I said, most of you who are here are young. and Most people, many who are listening are young or young in the Lord. And one of the most important things you will need in life is to have that discipline, that order. That God can use us to the maximum extent in life. Absolute extent in my life. So that when we stand before God, He should be able to say, well done. You did a fantastic job on earth. Fantastic job. You ran well. Everything I wanted you to do, to do through you, it could be completed. You know why? Because you had your fundamentals very strong. So when you heard something, your body, your soul, your spirit cooperated and walked with me, worked along with me. We were co-laborers on earth. Now well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into my joy. Then he says, take charge. Okay, 10 cities, 20 cities, 100 cities, a whole nation, or maybe the entire planet, Pluto, Mars, we don't know what all the Father has. His universe is so big, so big. We do not know what's waiting for our eternity. So always be motivated because, I guess, like I said, our God is the greatest motivator ever. And what he promises, no man has promised. Jesus says, if you overcome, as I overcome, you will sit with my throne and reign with me. Even the wicked kings, when they were drunk, offered only up to half my kingdom. Says, reign with me. Okay? So keep these things in mind. Okay? And look at what God is offering. 
In Romans Ephesians 3.20, we need to know everyone who is saved, in whom Jesus is, the Spirit of God is. This is what the Bible says. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Think about it. More than we can even imagine. Our imagination will not meet what God is actually wants to do through us. Imagination. Can ask or think. According to the power that works in us. The very spirit of God who created everything. And God has put it in nature itself. Nature itself he has put it. Like nobody can see an atom with our eyes. Even normal microscopes, electron microscope also, you cannot see an atom. That's how small it is. But if you split it, boom, we are all gone. The energy that is released from the splitting of an atom is called a nuclear bomb. The energy. Why did God put it all to say that? Do you know my power? And he says, that's the power that is in each one of you. My spirit resides in you. My spirit resides in you. Do you know what you have in you? Do you know what you have, he says. In Romans 8 and verse 31, that same God says, if, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Can I have a volunteer come? Put maybe this light off so that the screen is clear for everybody at the back also. If God is for us, who can be this I need, this I need. Who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Think about it. What a statement. Who can be? Who can be against us? People do not realize. Recipe for success in the kingdom of God. Recipe for success in the kingdom of God. All you need is to be absolutely sure that God is with you. You have to be ready. Don't take it for granted. God is with you. Just because God said, I will be with you, I will never leave you, nor forsake you, does not mean you are with him. Okay? We need to be very, very sure about this. If God is with us, who can be against us? On Thursday, we had looked at it, you know, in, in detail. If there's one man who should have never succeeded anywhere in his family, he's the youngest. And he's got ten against him. All ten are older to him, his own brethren. So his odds are one against ten. Impossible to succeed. He's sold by those ten as a slave. He ends up in Egypt as a slave. It's a huge household because it's the king's captain of his guard. Maybe 200, 300, 400, 500 slaves. Okay, think about it. Abraham had 318 trained slaves and others. And he's just a landlord. Well, this is the captain of the greatest king then on earth. So, how many? So, odds are greater. Let us say there was 500, uh, what you say, slaves in that household. And he's the only Hebrew. So, odds for him to rise up is one against 500. Then he's thrown into the king's prison. How many prisoners were there? Let us say 1,000 prisoners. Odds are even higher. He's just one Hebrew prisoner among a thousand others. But you know what? He was incredibly successful. In Genesis 39, verse 1 and 2, and Mark, verse 2, in your life, not just in your Bible, in your heart, in your mind. Joseph had been taken down uh, 
to Egypt. Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain. Okay, we'll leave that. Taken him down. He's sold as a slave there. The Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. The only thing that is about Joseph that made him successful is simply the fact God was with him. It is impossible for a man or a woman or a child with whom God is to be unsuccessful. It is not possible. God was with little boy Samuel and he was successful in ministry. God was with Joseph and he was successful. Okay. Now we are talking here primarily about not just world alone, but spiritual in the new covenant. God said in the old covenant to the Israel that you shall be the head and not the tail. Spiritually, it does not matter where you go, you are the head and not the tail. Everywhere Joseph went, in his father's house, in Potiphar's palace, or in the prison, or ultimately before Pharaoh, he was the spiritual head, because God was with him. The most successful man. So our entire focus every day in our life is to see God is with us, and God is first in our life. That's why we praise him. That's why we worship. That's why we pray. That's why we study the word. That's why we meditate to understand God's ways, walk in those ways, and then we know he is with me. And then we can boldly say with Paul and all the thousands of saints, subsequent saints who walked on earth, if God is for me, who can be against me? Who can be against me? Everything. You can throw him into prison. In verses 20 and 21, he's thrown on a false accusation. Absolutely guiltless, innocent man thrown into prison. And scripture says he was thrown into prison. And verse 21 says the Lord was with Joseph. And the first thing you need in prison is mercy. Don't beat me up, please. Don't give me the toughest job in the prison, please. No, but he can't plead. He cannot ask. But God says, I am with you. And I will see that you have mercy in this place. Not only that. You have favor in the prayer. Before you know, he's the top there. He's the top there. And look at Jesus. Why was Jesus the most successful man who ever walked on earth? Because you have to you have to define a man's success by the fruit he brings even after death. John 8 and verse 29. He who sent me is with me. He who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone. Never. Reason? For I always do those things that please him. So what do we want? What do we want? We want to do things that please him. Even you might be a young child, even the smallest here, not youngest also, 15 years maybe. Youngest is little Ajay. That's not matter. What do I know? Within my little consciousness of understanding of the word, what do I know that I can do to please God? All little Samuel knew was to listen to what Eli said. And when it came to sleep, he chose the closest place to the ark of the covenant. And God spoke to him. One little thing. One little thing. <clears throat> so there is Elijah on Mount Carmel. Okay, one cut. Odds are all against him. He's got 850 prophets of Baal. You've got tens and thousands of people who will not make a move towards him. No decision, nothing. Only at the end, after they see Baal has failed completely, only they will make a move. The king, the army, everything is against him. There's nobody for him. He's standing there all alone. But it does not matter. Why? Because God is with him. And God is for him. So the odds doesn't matter. The odds, if you look at him to succeed, is one against maybe a million. 
The entire countryside should be full of people. It is spread because all Israel has been gathered. If you had been there on Mount Carmel, you would have seen the entire place is surrounded and one man standing alone. And he's not afraid. He's not rattled by the odds against him. You know why? Because God is with him. And this is what it says. He will say in Kings 18 and verse 36. Yeah. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Let's be fast because we have communion too. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known this day you are God in Israel. Two, let it be known this day you are God in Israel. I am your servant and have done all these things at your word. I am not the king's servant, though I am serving the king. I am not the people's servant, though I am serving the people. I am your servant. You are the God of Israel. I am your servant. And whatever that has happened here, I have done according to your word. My father is always with me because I do what pleases him. People must be upset. They don't understand what is happening. It doesn't defies logic. But what I have done is according to your word. I know it pleases you. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me that these people may know that you are the Lord and that you have turned their hearts back to you. And search my heart, O Lord. I am not doing anything for my glory. I am not starting a ministry here and put it Elijah Ministries or anything. My entire intention is, Lord, you will turn these people back to you. That is my only intention. You know my words. You know my life. You know my heart. This is all about you. And bringing a people back to you. You know what happened? The fire came. The fire came. That's what God is thinking about. Odds don't matter. We are always looking at odds. Always looking at odds. I don't watch IPL. But if those who watch IPL will always say, which team will win? Odds are against this one. Odds are against that one. Because they look at those players in each team. We are on God's team. And be sure God is with you. Okay. Quickly, briefly, we look through how we make ourselves sure God is with us. And we are with God. Because we, we looked on Thursday from Psalm 78 and we saw the individual life of a person or a nation, how it can go bankrupt in spite of all the promises of God. No nation was promised like what God promised Israel. And that nation went bankrupt and went into captivity. So we will see how do, why, why is it so important? It's because in Psalm 78 and verse 41, there is a verse. Again and again they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. You know, this is a God who cannot be limited. He's limitless. He has no boundaries. No end to anything. That is this God. This universe we created has no end. Imagine the God who created this end. But because we have been given free will to choose, we can limit him in our life. Exceedingly great power. We cannot even imagine or think what God is able to do through who he is in us. But we limit him. Again and again and again and again, Israel limited this God in their lives. While he comes and says, I have come to give you life unlimited. The very life of God that overcomes everything. It's an overcoming life. 
It overcomes sin, it overcomes the world, it overcomes the devil, it overcomes death. The devil can throw anything at you. You can overcome. Because I am with you. And I am in you. That's what it's talking. But you and I can, through our choices, limit him. That's why we meditate upon the word. That's why we try to learn the principles of the kingdom of God. Because this entire kingdom is yoked or connected with a person. The person of Jesus Christ. And the first thing we look is 78 verses 5 to 10. For he established a testimony in Jacob, appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers. They should make them known to their children. The generation to come might know them. The children who would be born, that they may arise and declare. There's one thing he said. Every generation to generation, just pass them my ways. Let them know who you, I am. What my ways are. And he says, you know what? You will be undefeated in life. Israel cannot be defeated. Even the children who are about to be born, teach them straight up. Who their God is, how to worship Him, how to praise Him, how to pray to Him, how to walk in His ways. And may not be like their fathers, a stubborn, rebellious, okay, whose spirit was not faithful to God. In verse 9, the children of Ephraim being armed, carrying the bows, turned back in the, but because they did not obey. When the actual day of battle came, the day of trouble came, they drew back. um, Jacob had 12 sons. The blessed one was the 11th one called Joseph. He was the blessed because he obeyed in the ways of God. Joseph had two sons, Ephraim, uh, Manasseh and Ephraim. Right? Ephraim is the second one. He's put ahead of his brother. So if you look at Jacob's line, the best of the best is Ephraim. The best is Joseph. The best of Joseph is Ephraim. But in Ephraim on the day of battle turned back. You know why? Because Israel did not walk in obedience. That's what verse 10. They did not keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in His law. So one of the first things by which we limit God in our life is by the sin of disobedience. We disobey God. You don't have to know all the laws of God, but what you know, do you keep? Do you believe? Do you obey? And when you fall, do you repent when you get back? Because today we have communion. If we do not, we limit the hand of this incredible God in our own lives. The second thing we are guilty of, verse 11. They forgot his works. We are very good to forget. Right? God tries to put a discipline. For six months, seven months, or whatever, he locked us down. First 60 days was complete lockdown. Then little by little by little by little, forget the world. It should have trained us. You know what? I don't need to go out to the world like before the lockdown. I realize I can live very well without most of the things which I do. Right? But did we learn these disciplines? Or we are back from the prayer hall to the cinema hall and the shopping mall. Back? Old lifestyle? Nothing has changed? Right? October 15th, they're going to open the theaters. And everybody is itching and waiting. Have we changed? We forget what he has done. Now we are not talking about movies or this thing. But how easily we forget the goodness of God in our lives. Is it a small thing? We are all sitting here and nobody was touched by COVID. Every 
day, every, every time, I mean this morning or every day, I, if not every day, every time, every week when I pray with Pastor Eric, one of the things I thank God is for his wife, our child. Which, the thing is that unlike other hospitals and all, all around, every doctor almost got COVID. So she was to do emergency duty on top of that. No leave, nothing. Patients, doctors, all with COVID. The child walks in and walks out, walks in and walks out, walks in and said, I said, Lord, it is just you. It is just you. Protecting and covering and keeping our dear ones, our doctors, our nurses, our healthcare workers. You know? It's just you. Psalm 103 and verse 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not. Forget not all his benefits. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Because you see, everything is free. We don't deserve anything. Why should God do anything for you or me? Why should he do? The sin of disobedience, the sin of forgetfulness, we are very good to forget what God has done. That's why the protocol in the kingdom is enter his courts with thanksgiving in your heart. That's why it has to become automatic, ingrained. When you begin to pray, it should be, thank you, Father. It has become part of your life. You open your mouth and the first words is, Lord, I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you. I will not forget what you have done. I will not forget what you have done. Third one, verse 18. They tested God in their heart by asking for the food of their fancy. In their case, it was just food. I was quite detailed. I spoke on that day and also in the Nepali meeting on Friday. We are all one fanciful things. Fancy stores. It's not what we need. The problem is what we ask and what we want. Nobody is satisfied with anything God gives. They want fancy. Even in marriages. So many people are miserable because they ask for a fanciful husband. And a fanciful wife. That's what you get from novels and pictures. Grew up on Mills and Boone. Now they are grinding in the mill. And there is no boon. Boon means blessing. Everything is based on fancy. It didn't start. It started with our spiritual forefathers in the desert. Even in the desert, they're getting this incredible food. Nobody is weak. Everybody is strong. Nobody is ill. God said, it's coming straight from heaven. Cook it the way you want. Boil it, fry it, air fry it, whatever you want. <laughs> My sister will be laughing, but she's always trying to sell us this air fry because you don't have to use oil on it. Okay? Whichever way you want to do it, eat it. They're not satisfied. They want fancy food. We don't realize. It kills us. It limits us. It destroys us. It destroys us. Then in verse 19 and 20, this is the sin of the flesh, okay? This is the sin of the flesh. The sin of unbelief. Yes, they spoke against God. They said, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Behold, he struck the rocks or the waters, okay? All that, if you come over there, this is called the sin of unbelief. And unbelief can cripple you. In Mark chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, look at what is happening in Jesus' own ministry. Let us put it across as ministry. Okay? Mark 6, 5 and 6. Let's go quickly. He could do no mighty works there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. He 
powerless because of their unbelief. He was shocked. We don't realize the sin of unbelief will block, limit the power of God in our lives. In Mark 4.40, this is what, Jay? Mark 4.40, the mask is only for your nose, not for your eyes. I still need to see your eyes, okay? Why are you so fearful? How is that you have no faith? How is that you have no faith? Hebrews 3, 12 and 13. You know what he told about their forefathers? Brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily. That's why we preach daily. That's why we try to. We're so happy when the restrictions were limited, taken off, and we are able to come together. Some people have got used to online. You can't exhort each other online. Jesus does not come online and says, Hi, this is me, Jesus. He doesn't do that. He preaches through his servants and we exhort each other. Otherwise, the sin of unbelief will only grow harder and harder and harder and harder and harder. Do you believe this morning? Because now we are going to get into the message. Do you believe this morning? Let me give you first Luke 5 and verse 17. I didn't give it. Luke 5 and verse 17. Here is the preaching of the word of God. Okay? Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching. What was he doing? Teaching. And it doesn't matter who it is there. Pharisees were there. All kinds of people are here, sitting here. Young, old, good in the word, slow in the word. It doesn't matter. This is the teaching of the word of God is happening. And teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town, Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. If the word of God is being teached, and the spirit of God is there, scripture says, and the power of the Lord was present there to heal them. Will you be healed? This is the question. Only one got healed that day and walked away. It's not because the power wasn't there. Faith was there only in one person. Wherever the word of God is preached and the spirit of God stands witness, there is always the power of the Lord to heal you of any situation, to set you free. Because that's why he came. That's why he came. And we have to, when we, we have to come prepared. We have to come prepared. Yes, you have moments, so many things to do every week. But when you come back home, I know sometimes it's so easy to teach in rural areas when I tell them. I said, when you come back, even after working in the whole day in the field, do you have a MP3 player on your phone? Yes. What do you do? Get home, wash your feet, wash your this thing, sit down and listen to some Christian music or a good word. Let the word of God wash you. Wash you of everything that you picked in this world. The worries, the anxieties, the temptations, everything. Let it wash you. And then when it comes to the ministry of the word at the end of the week, different countries, different days, you are ready because you have faith and the presence of the Lord, the power of the Lord is there in our midst to heal us. This is the problem. Otherwise, you know what will happen? In Psalm 78, it's a verse 32, 33. This is what the Bible says. The danger. In spite of this, they still sinned. They did not believe in his wondrous works. Therefore, their days he consumed in futility. And their years in 
fear. I'm telling you. If God were to expose your heart, fear controls most of your decisions. You're not making decisions by faith. You're making decisions by fear. And you know what happens? Scripture says, God says, I'm there in you. It's power unlimited. But if you don't believe, your ears will go in futility. Let me explain to you what it means. It does not mean you are not successful. It means your success has no meaning. Just imagine you have a prof like Dr. Vijay Itakota and you are in his class. You are an undergraduate engineering student who went to his, no, his class. You can call it luck or bad luck. <laughs> but you ended up in his class and he told you to do a project. It took you seven days to do the project. You worked day and night, slogged, you hardly slept. You were on caffeine pills through the seven days. You worked, you worked, you worked, you worked. To use a proper term, you worked your tails off. And then you bring your project. He looks at his project and says, What is this? Nonsense. That's how lives in heaven, when you reach, will say, Oh my gosh, my whole life work was futile. Absolutely futile. What a waste. A lot of people, when they reach there, is your name in the Lamb's book of life? No. Go. Eternity. Others, you come through. All your works are burned in fire. All you come with is salvation alone. That is his work. Your work is not counted. What does it mean? Your years were spent in futility. And God doesn't want that for any children. But we are struggling and fighting with God to change his ways. Instead of us changing our ways. This is what we need to understand. Today we will strictly look at one thing. Because right now in this world, what is crippling the whole world is two things. One, sickness. And two, the fear of sickness. The fear of something is always worse than the thing itself. <clears throat> sickness and the fear of sickness and how we limit God. And how should we just release the limits of God in our personal life? Listen carefully. Whether you're young and old, Ajay, that's a very comfortable chair, Ajay. Okay, my eyes on you because you're the youngest. Okay? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter whether you're young or old. Everybody's afraid of this one disease. And every disease. The nature of sickness is, or any illness is, it can come with absolutely no warning. Absolutely no warning. All of you sitting healthy, smart, everything. Tomorrow you can fall sick. Like our dear child Betsy. Prime of life. I'm not talking about the discussions we had before she was diagnosed with, with cancer. No. Just before that, chatting and talking about her wedding. Shall I look for a boy for you? Uncle, look for a boy for me. All conversations are going on and then one day you had a headache, you became unconscious, you were taken and life changed. Everything changed. This is the problem. Illness or sickness, infirmity comes. Everything changes. Everything. No warning. It changes everything. Your whole life goes for a toss. All plans are gone. Literally kaput. It's gone. Next thing you know, you are now defined by your illness. 
You know in the Bible, God actually puts real, real reality. The actual reality show is all in the Bible. Don't waste your time on TV. Real reality shows. You actually are named by your illness. So Jesus comes down the mountain and there was a leper. Do you know his name? No. His illness defines who he is. He's a leper. There was a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years. Do you know her name? Jairus' daughter was sick and dying. Do you know his, her name? No. There was a woman in the synagogue with 18 years of deformity. Bend over. Do you know her name? There was a man sitting at the pool of Bethsaida with eight, 38 years of infirmity. Do you know his name? Suddenly you realize your entire life is defined by your infirmity. Infirmity. We don't even know Peter's mother-in-law, but we know she was sick. The only thing we know about Peter's mother-in-law, she was sick. And Jesus healed her. And she served them. You know what illness does to you? You need to be careful. When else sickness comes? That's why I said, after this message, you will be very grateful you are not sick. You will say, thank you, Lord. For sickness comes, or this young, vibrant young men who go boom, 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 an accident happens. You know what happens? Not only you are defined by your sickness, you lose control over life. You lose control over your life. And it doesn't matter who you are. In Second Kings chapter 5, verse 1, it's interesting. It doesn't matter who you are. Namdaman, the commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. Because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. Doesn't matter now who you are. You lose control over your life. Your control is gone. Because you are a leper. You are a leper. That's why we always tell young people, be careful, wear a helmet. Yes, Gopi, wear a helmet. Okay? Wear a helmet. Drive carefully. 50 maximum. Maximum. Wear a helmet. Be a safe driver. Don't be a daredevil driver. Safe driver. Like me. Hundreds and thousands of thousands of miles in the last 28, 29 years. Not an accident. In every kind of road and where there was no road. No roads. Just valleys and gutter and in the northeast and all. I haven't, didn't not clock all my vehicles. It could be three or four or five hundred thousand miles in these 28 years. Not a single accident. You know, I learned to drive right. It keeps you safe. Your head in one piece. Why did I say that? Second Kings chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Moab rebelled against Israel after the son of death of Ahab. This is his son. Now, Ahaziah, who is he? The king of Girgaya. Or Haddi Tudgaya. Over. What is the king going to do? Now it is not here comes the king. Here comes the king. He is being carried. What happened? Accident. 
He didn't look where he was going. It broke and he fell down. That's how accidents happen. That's why we pray every day when my wife and I pray. We pray every day. Lord, protect our children, our people, your children, our children from every accident, every job, every disease. They're going out, they're coming in. Watch over our children, Lord. Watch over, watch over, watch over. An accident can change your life. You lose control of your life. Your identity is gone. Control is gone. And all you know is uncertainty. You could be the most powerful king, the smartest king like Uzziah. One day leprosy comes. After that, you are sitting alone, living alone all the days of your life. All your other records is forgotten. You are now defined by your disease. Third thing, John chapter 5, 3 to 5. In this lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for. Okay, and verse 5. And a certain man was there who had infirmity 38 years ago. You know what? Whether you ask it or not, life reassigns your position. One day you might have been the CEO of a company. Next day you're sitting in the ICU with everybody like this. You've been relocated. Your company has changed. You have been relocated. Now where is he? With the lame, blame, the lame, the blind, the crippled. Your company has changed. This is what sickness does. God doesn't want to relocate you. God says the plans that I have for you are good. Are good. Matthew chapter 5. So the third thing is that your company changes. Okay? First thing you are nameless. You are now named by your illness. Second thing is that you lose control of your life. Third, you are reassigned a new place to be. Fourth, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. Now the physicians are making you suffer. You go to one doctor. He gives you one paper. You look at it. What is it? Blood test. Before you know, they have taken half your blood away. You come back. He gives you one set of medicine. Nothing works. You go to him back again. Another test. Now you are sitting in this incubator kind of thing. An MRI scan is being done. Now you are not suffering from your sickness alone. The physician is putting you into a new set of sufferings. Everybody who's gone to the dentist knows that. Why do you go to the dentist? Because your tooth is aching. He says, first I will give you one shot. If it doesn't work, two shots. Sometimes three shots. Now you don't know which is hurting more, the tooth or the injections. Thank God for doctors. Right? They are not hurting you. You're hurting yourself. Because you did not go through God's order. They are sent there by God to help us. What happens? She had spent all that she had. What does sickness do? Takes all your resources away. All your resources are gone. For something that was totally unneeded. If you had just walked with God and believed God and obeyed his ways. I remember one man telling me, Pastor, I went to the Middle East. I slogged day and night. I saved all my money. I came home. My father fell ill. And in two weeks, all my money 
went to the hospital. I have to go back and slog all over again. I had to come back to retire. You know the bills you hear during these pandemic times? Dead body is being taken. We will not release the body until you pay the bill. Bill is, bill is 50 lakhs, 25 lakhs, 30 lakhs. You know what an illness or an accident does? That is why the fight in America, God's people, supposedly, believers, the largest chunk of so-called believers in an overground free country, what are they fighting for? The biggest fight of this election, healthcare. Healthcare, healthcare, you want government healthcare. Why? Because they know you fall sick. All your money goes. All your money goes. See what the disease does? What happens? She was no better, but rather grew worse. You lose hope. Because you don't get better. You actually start getting worse. Okay? But we don't want to look at healing alone. Because that is the mistake people made during Jesus' time and subsequently and all of us make. Healing is a temporary solution. Healing is a correction made. But that's not what God offers. He heals. He's a healer. That's not what God offers. What God offers is not just healing. What he offers is health. Okay. What he offers is health. Healing is a correction for an error. But health is a life lived without those errors. It's a natural wear and tear. Like your car, you know, if you have a, your car, if you really handle your vehicle well, like, like I do, I'm not bossing, but my vehicles never have trouble. If I give it to somebody else, it comes back full of trouble. That's why when people buy a second-hand vehicle, one of the things in the advertisement is single owner driven. People will take it. Especially cars. Because one fellow, if five people have driven, one fellow will plutch, push the clutch all the way till the floor. Another fellow will give it a gentle touch. Other fellow, the way he shifts the gears, the whole box should come off. Of all the vehicles we have, I tell my wife, you know why? I tell her, honey, you know why only one car doesn't give any trouble? The black car. I say it's because it's automatic, so they can't play with the gears. Am I right? Yes. I am right, she says. Okay. Do you understand what God is talking about? He says, I don't want you to correct errors. Okay? Natural wear and tear will done. That we are all growing old. Outward man is perishing. That was because of Adam, not because of you and me. When Adam fell, we all fell with him. The outward man is perishing. Inward man is being renewed or should be renewed. So if you look at Jesus, I read the entire account of Jesus in all the four Gospels. You know what? He never fell ill. He never fell ill. So as far as possible. Don't fall ill. And if you fall ill, in spite of all precautions, I'll tell you, guarantee you something. God will pay the bill. Three times I went to hospital. Three times he paid the bill. Every time. Paid. One time I went in, came out with more money than I went in. <laughs> because in the ICU also, in the strange city, when I did not know people, I got offerings there. Which pastor gets offering in the ICU? Because when I went in, I had only 1,000 rupees. When I came out, I had 2,500 rupees. 
Because I was in a strange city, transiting through the city. I had this accident or whatever. I ended up in the ICU on bed number one in a coma. When I opened my eyes, the first thing I see is Jesus healed. Immediately I was healed. All the tests after that realized I, I can be discharged. There's nothing there wrong with him. He's, he's healed. And then offerings came. I love it. That's the way to fall in. I'm, I'm just, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is not about me. I'm trying to say we have a good God. We have a good Father. Always focus your mind on the goodness of God. Okay? Even like you hear from this pulpit so many times, I talk about my Father. Have you ever heard me say anything bad about my Father other than a habit that he used to drink? Have you ever heard? No. But he whooped the life out of me. No, I don't think any one of you was whooped like I was. None of you. I'm honestly telling you, nobody would have been beaten like me when you were so small. When you were eight years old, six years old, seven years. You know how I was whooped? To the mosquito rod on this thing with my hands tied behind so that I couldn't escape, he whooped me. A couple of times he whooped me until I was bleeding from my back. But when I look at back at him, all I can do is love him and remember his goodness. I look back and I realize of the five children he had, I needed to be whooped the most so he could straighten me for his work. Other than the word of God, all the disciplines I have till today, I learned from his whooping and his life. So even when God whoops you, he's good. He's good. A good God can only give good things. Cannot give bad things. That's why he says, you fathers being evil, know how to give good things to you. How much more your father in heaven was always good. So we serve an incredibly powerful, kind, good God. And he's telling his people, no, you want healing. I want to be your health. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 to 22, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. What will happen? For they are life to those who find them and health to their, all their flesh. Is, you know what my word is? You believe and you walk in it. It's, it's health for your body, your soul, your spirit. It is health. It's not healing. It's health. My word. My word. That's why we keep waking up people saying, don't tune off. Come on time. Prepare on Saturdays, Saturday nights. Listen to worship music and fall asleep early. Wake up refreshed. Ready, roaring to go to church. Lord, you know what? Your word is life. Your word is health. How God is a God. It's an awesome God. See, when you go to a big hospital, Big hospital, they call it multi-speciality hospital. You see different departments. Right? You see a department called after, if you have a surgery or if you have a major illness and after that they will send you or if you are in the post-operative room or recovery room or whatever, one of the doctors who visits you is called a dietitian. Okay? And she will tell you or he usually, most dietitians I've met are ladies. Usually they will tell you or they will tell you what to eat and what not to eat. What is good for you, what is not good for you. It's a dietitian. 
right? When my eldest brother, he was uh, older to me, five years older to me, <coughs> so he was in his final year, he was in his, doing his MBBS, and for the senior students, they had these big rooms with attached bathrooms and all, so I was a rookie, I was just finished my 12th, and had gone for my first year undergraduation. So I must have been around 18, 19 years old, 18 years old. So I used to stay with him for a few days until I got my hostel room. And one of the subjects they have is called SPM. Okay, It's called social preventive medicine. Basically, they take you about what hygiene is. No? Social preventive. And most of these kids who come for MBBS, they come from Malayalam medium or Telugu medium, whatever medium, you know. So they are not very strong in English. And I was very strong in English. So the MBBS students from first year used to sit in his room and I used to teach them SPM. Because I could understand it very well. It's not medicine, it's about hygiene. But what we don't realize is, if you read the word of God, God is the first dietitian. And his book is a book on social preventive medicine, on hygiene. In Leviticus 20, verse 24 and 25. Okay, this has got to do with health. This has not got to do with healing. He says, yeah, can we go quickly, Pastor Vijay? Be ready with the next one. But I have said to you, you shall inherit this land. I will give it to you to possess a land flowing with milk and honey. Okay, now it's not talking that. Don't go to Israel and say, I never saw any white water. No. It's not talking about milk is strength, honey is sweetness. He says your life will be full of strength and sweetness till the end of your days. If you believe me, if you obey me, you know what? You will be strong till the end. Your inner man will be strong and you will have the sweetness of God in your life. Not like Naomi, bitter and angry, but a sweet person. You grow sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. You know what? He says, that's the land I'm taking you to. A land flowing with milk and honey. You shall therefore distinguish between clean animals and unclean. Why did he say that? Because he created them. And after the fall, especially after the fall, he knows which way even the animals went. He said, eat this, don't eat this. He was the first dietitian. Between unclean birds and clean, you shall not make yourself abominable by beast or by bird. If you eat the wrong meat, you make yourself abominable. You're playing with your health. And I want you to be strong. I want you to fulfill my purpose in your lives. So that when you come up there, I can tell you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Because you need a body to serve me. That's why in Romans 12, we don't have to go there. The first thing he asks is, offer me your bodies. And this is how they taught them practically to offer them when it comes to their eating habits. He was a dietitian. He prescribed their diet, what to eat and what not to eat. He was very, very strict with them about hygiene. And he made it mandatory. Whenever he tells them, you're coming to me, wash your clothes, wash your clothes, wash your clothes, wash your clothes, wash your clothes. Sanctify yourself. Wash your clothes. Wash yourself. Every other religion learned from that. Living God. That is why you go to any India, any of these ancient temples or all temples, all over, they have a pond outside. You have to wash, bathe and come out. Where did this come from? It came from the living God. Hygiene is important. Hygiene is important. Telling young boys sitting here, hygiene is important. I don't know about girls, I'll ask, tell my wife to tell that. Hygiene is important. Wash your clothes, 
shower regularly, daily. That's showing love to your neighbor and to yourself. He was strong on this. Leviticus chapter 15. Every bed is unclean on which you has this. Let's just imagine you have a sore, a boil. And the boil is oozing. Now we don't have today's kind of all kind of experts who will tell you it is communicable, it is non-communicable, infectious. Nobody knows. So God says, he's giving them a blanket rule. There are communicable diseases, infectious diseases. Therefore you see, everything on which he sits shall be unclean. So don't sit with him. Maintain social distancing. It didn't come now, it came then. Whoever touches his bed shall wash his clothes and bathe in water. By some mistake you came and sat in his bed and you said, yeah, 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 don't sit over there because I have this problem. Then you go back home and wash yourself, wash your clothes. Because germs and bacteria spread. What are we told? Because of COVID-19, we learn new ways of washing hands, right? One virus taught us to wash our hands. I was thinking, Lord, 55 years I washed my hands wrongly. You can learn new things. Usually we say you can teach an old dog new tricks. But this old dog learned new tricks. How to wash his hands. Right? See, this all came from God. Bathe in water. Be unclean till evening. He's giving them a quarantine period also. Just because you showered and washed your clothes, it does not mean all bacteria dies immediately. Just give it a 24 hour period. A 12 hour period. Then only go back home. Don't spread the disease to the rest of your family. Now fathers and all have learned. You know, fathers and all, now when they come back from work, they don't hug their wives or their children. They first go to the bathroom and take off, put it all for a wash, shower and come nice and clean. And the wife is so happy. Honey, this is the kind of husband I always wanted. He's so clean. What COVID did to us, right? Changed our lifestyle. 6,000 years of what the law could not do, one germ did. Thank you, Lord. Leviticus 13, verses 1 and 2. Okay, I'm just giving you, read the law. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and said, When a man has on his skin of his body a swelling, a scab, or a bright spot, it becomes on the skin of his body like a leprous sore, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons, the Priest, yes. But if the bright spot is white on the skin of his body and does not appear to be deeper than the skin and its hair has not turned white, then the priest shall isolate the one who has sore. How many days? Seven day isolation, quarantine began in the law. How many days? Seven days. Do you see our God? See, by the time Moses brought the law, his name was Moses MBBS MD. <laughs> he was a doctor of medicine and he never went to college. He went to the college in Egypt and learned to eat unhealthy. He came down the mountain and learned how to eat healthy. This is, this is the difference what happens to which college you go. Verse 46 to 52. He shall be unclean. All the days he has the sore, he shall be unclean. He is unclean, he shall dwell in the camp. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Isolate him. Don't mix. 
Lord, how can you do to this? No, I love you. That's why I'm telling you. I love you. I love the rest of them. Isolate him for seven days. Also, if the garment has a leprous plague in it, whether it is a woolen garment or a linen garment, what should you do? Whether it's in the warp or the woof of the linen or wool, whether it is in the leather or anything made of the leather, if the plague is greenish or reddish in the garment of the leather, show it to the priest. And what will happen? Yes. The priest shall examine the plague, isolate that which has the plague seven days. And actually, it will go further. I mean, such detailed stuff was given. Absolutely. What is the point? God is extremely interested in our health. And he's giving us guidelines. If you live like this, Israel, you won't fall ill. There is diet. There is hygiene. There is garbage disposal. Deuteronomy 23, 12 to 14. Also, you shall have a place outside the camp where you may go out. What it is for? It is to relieve yourself. You see, until modern times, the Christian homes in Kerala, because of that Semitic culture we had of 2,000 years, not a single house would have a toilet inside the house. It always would be outside. And you know why? Because they picked it from scripture. And the actual word you say in Malayalam, actual yes. You know what he said, which basically is saying, I'm going to the toilet, but that's not what it actually means. It means I'm going out. And that's what it says, where you may go out. You need to realize how the kingdom culture of the law has permeated into my culture. That if you were going out, you exactly use scripture. And I did not know. I did not know all the days when I said it, I did not know this was in scripture. You shall have an implement among your equipment and when you sit down outside, you shall dig it with it, turn and cover your refuse. Why? Because the God who created us, after the fall knows there is virus, there is bacteria, there are germs. You relieve yourself, make a hole and then cover it. And if you look at the pagan nations, what do they do? They cover the earth with their refuse. Isn't true? And while the kosher nations, because they understood what God was saying, they didn't understand the scientific implications, they always dug. And this is in the desert. They dug every morning and they covered it. So they, not only they ate right, they lived right. Therefore, for 40 years, there was none ill or feeble among them. God says, if you live the way I tell you, you don't have to keep running to me, Lord, heal me, heal me, heal me. You will walk in health. You will walk in health. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 16 and 17, New Covenant, he changes the paradigm even more. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy. Which temple? You are. You are. He says, you, you are my temple. Don't defile the temple. Then I have to destroy you. How does it destroy us? Sicknesses come. Sicknesses come. He says, you don't have to be sick. As far as possible, you don't have to be sick. Which is beyond your ability. Don't, forget. don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Like we all gather in the church office for different meetings. Okay, different meetings. We have through the week meeting. But you will always see the difference between us and the young man who is hidden in that little room. Dr. Richard. When he comes in, it is almost like clockwork. He will immediately. Why? He is a doctor. And even COVID wasn't there, they would be like that. 
Because all in my family who are, they will irritate you like, like crazy, the doctors in the family. Every time they're cleaning, they're cleaning, they're cleaning, they're cleaning, they wash, they're cleaning, they're cleaning, cleaning, they drive you crazy. Why? Because they know so well about the germs, that's what they spend their lifetime studying, how this thing spreads. We who are ignorant, we're happy with dirt. And we also will have dirt. Statements like dirt don't hurt. It's not true. God said dirt does hurt. So God is a God of hygiene. He's a God of diet. So we are not talking about healing alone. We are talking about health. We are talking about health. My word is health to a man's whole body. Second thing. Why does sickness come? First Corinthians chapter 11, 29 to 32. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and some have even died. God says, you fall sick. You fall sick because you don't keep my law. Don't keep my law. You break my spiritual laws. And one of the results that happens in your life, the chastening of the Lord is, He allows sickness to come into your body. You don't keep my word. You don't obey my spiritual laws. And therefore what happens? Sickness comes. It's a disciplining of sinful behavior. Second Kings chapter 15, 3-5, quickly. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done, except one thing he didn't do. The high places were not removed and the people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. He did not destroy the high places. Okay. Now this is a spiritual law. There are so many high places we have in our minds, in our life. We won't bring it down. My way or the highway? Not God's way. And you know what? That very law which we break without bringing it to the subjection of Christ Jesus, whether it is a physical thing or a mental thing, you know, it will bring chastening of the Lord into our lives. You know what happened? And then the Lord struck. Who struck? The Lord struck the king so that he was a leper until the day of his death. So he dwelt in an isolated house and Jotham the king's son was over the royal house judging the people of the land. Not only he was struck, not only he was isolated, somebody took his place. That is what happens. God strikes you down as a chastening. You lose your job and somebody is working in your place. Somebody has taken your place. Second Chronicles 16.10 and then 12 and 13. Asa was angry with the seer. Put him in prison for he was enraged at him because of this. And Asa oppressed some of the people at that time. He didn't like the word of God. And, and in the 39th year of his reign, Asa became deceased in his feet. His malady was severe, yet in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but the physician. So Asa rested with his fathers and he died in the 41st year of his reign. Did you see? And this is God. This is God. Okay. So you violate God's principles, His laws. The sickness can come. So God says, walk, walk according to my law. Walk according to my rules, which I have set before you. Walk and you don't have to keep coming back to go visit the hospital. You don't have to run to the doctors. You don't have to come to me, Lord, heal me, heal me, heal me. You don't have to. Second Corinthians twelve seven. Another way. God allows the devil. For different reasons. And in yeah. Pastor Vijay, please be ready, you know, because we have limited time. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. 
Yeah. Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. God allowed the devil to oppress whatever it is in his body. A messenger from the devil himself. Okay, so that he wouldn't get too proud. But something can happen to you because God allows it. And he gives open. Job was allowed to be struck in his body by God. The devil got permission. Was he a righteous man? The, the most righteous man, but God allowed it. So sometimes God may allow you. It's a demonic attack. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, this is what scripture says about Jesus. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were pressed by the devil. The devil is a disease bringer. All kinds of diseases he can bring. He's just waiting for an opening in our life to bring a disease. Looking for somebody who will disobey God's laws. Spiritual laws. He's just waiting for an open door. He couldn't touch Job because he was absolutely walking in the will of God. So he said, oh, of course, if you lift the hedge, you put a hedge around him, I'm not able to break the hedge. The Bible says if you break the hedge, the snake will bite you. Will bite you. So God allows, okay, the devil to attack you or you allow the devil to attack you. It can be either way. You open, a, you open a door for the devil to come into your life. So let God show you. Fourth thing, God allows it for your own good. Psalm 119 and verse 71. It was good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn. It is true. One of the more surprising things we will understand in heaven is most people who reached there, reached there, started their journey because of a sickness. Because of a sickness. All the crowds who followed Jesus, most of them who followed were sick. The sickness caused them to follow Jesus, to receive a touch. And in the process they heard a message. John chapter 9 verses 1 to 3. He allows it for our good and for his Glory. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. His disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. He says, No. This is for God's glory and for his good. Let us see how the story ended. Chapter, verse 35 to 38. Jesus heard they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is who who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Let me ask you this question. If he had not been born blind, would he have been saved? No. Not have been saved. You know, the sickness worked for his good and for God's glory. So sometimes sickness works out for our good. God allows stuff to happen. Okay? Another one, fifth one, First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. All young men and young girls too and older people too, listen. Bodily exercise profits little. Spiritual, it does not say if scripture was written, bodily exercise profits nothing. Everybody would be happy. But it says it does profit. One of the things COVID-19 has done, because they realize, is early morning, when I come from home to the office early morning, all I see for the first time in my life, after the lockdown is over, streets are flooded with people who are exercising. Because they realize, COVID, you are more vulnerable to this germ if you are unhealthy. 
So health has suddenly come into the consciousness of the world. And God said, bodily exercises profits. It does profit. You have to exercise. Eat well and exercise. You know the greatest and the most powerful man in the world is now in the hospital. President Trump. President Trump. You know what? But one thing about him is that he doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke, he has never done drugs. All the young people who drink, who smoke, who do drugs, you're very vulnerable to COVID. A lot of young people who died of COVID are drug addicts. It makes you susceptible to COVID because if you are smoking grass, your respiratory system is vulnerable to this germ. Second thing, the highest casualty rate is with those who are obese. Obesity, you are at risk. And if you look at President Trump, all his parameters are fantastic except one. His BMI, body mass index level, is a little over showing he's obese. I like, in so many ways, this COVID, it will bring a lifestyle. I'm not saying I like coronavirus, but it is bringing out a different lifestyle. Obesity, I'm telling you, because if this is the beginning of the plague, the next strain will be even more virulent. It will only get worse. It is not going to get better. Now they tell you wear a mask. Next they will tell you wear a helmet. Please be careful. But don't. A lot of people don't exercise. They don't exercise at all. They don't exercise at all. Not playing five minutes in badminton like this is exercise. I see on the camera. Once in 30 days jumping on the top. What is that thing called? Yeah, trampoline on the roof. That is not exercise. That is just shaking the foundations. Deuteronomy 34 verse 7. Look at an old man. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. You know why? Because he ate well and he walked all the days of his life. 80 years he walked. Fit as a fiddle when he died. You know why he died? Not because he was ill. Because God said, time up. Come home, son. Nobody is going to bury you. I just love you. I'm going to bury you personally. Joshua chapter 14, verse 10 and 11. When you have a healthy lifestyle of exercising, physical exercise and diet and hygiene. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive as he said this 45 years ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. Now here I am, the 85 years old, yet I am as strong this day as on the day Moses sent me. What is he saying? I'm as strong. 45 years ago, Moses had sent me, I am as strong today as the day. You know what? He said, these boys, you know, they are not willing to take that mountain. Give it to me. I'll give them a run for their money. I'll fight that battle. You know why? Because he stuck to God's principles of life. What to eat, what not to eat. How to live your life. A sanctified, physically, we are talking about physically, sanctified, hygienic, diet, exercise, they maintain it. That is how you offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Otherwise, you are just a junkie. Even if you don't shoot drugs, you're just a junkie. Thank God he still uses junkies. 
Genesis 39. Can you have ISV? Okay. This is about Joseph. Okay. Everything he owned, he entrusted into Joseph's care. He never concerned himself about anything except for the food he ate. Now, Joseph was well-built. I'll tell you, how did he become well-built? I'll tell you how he became well-built. When he was brought and sold as a slave, slaves are first, new slaves are all sent into hard labor. Let me tell you, the first guy with six-pack in the Bible is Joseph. Fit as a fiddle. Hard labor. He was good-looking too with his Hebrew Semitic heritage. He was good-looking too. And Potiphar's wife looked at this young dude, handsome and built, and this is not gym muscles. With his artificial. This does not come from butter and whey. This comes from working hard in the field. And outside, wherever he was, he was well built. Well built. God wanted that man to rule over Egypt for years together. So he was, it was his training academy he was going through. Why do I say this? Listen to me, young man. All young men, including Ajay, listen to me, young men. What happens is, most young people today who work, your work is a sedentary work. And sedentary work is not the kind of work God likes. The kind of work like he likes is the work his son did. It's hard work. You really, really toil. And if you can't do that, you work 8 hours, 12 hours, come back and run. The reason is this. Potiphar's wife was tempted by Joseph. Joseph was never tempted. You know why? Hard work skills temptation. You want to escape temptation? Work hard. And if you work a sedentary lifestyle, get back home and run for two hours. Run for two hours. Run. You come back, you do your finish, you put your head on the pillow, you're gone. There's no room for temptation. And God has given work as an antidote to temptation. Jesus was never tempted. You know why? He said, I and my father are working from the beginning and even now we are at work. He was such a hard worker in the middle of a storm, he could put his head on a cushion in a boat going like this and fall asleep. That was his power nap. I learned power nap from him. So know the heart of God, the ways of God. Don't limit him. When we don't do the things which he tells us to do in a practical way, what we are doing is we are limiting him in our life. Lord, I heard this, I want it. But he says, where is your body? (laughs) Ayo, Appa. Ayo. Ayo. Lord, use me. Lord God says, by the time you reach the platform, time will be up. There was a sad video of a very big politician, leader in U.S. Big press conference is going, democratic press conference, the speaker of the assembly, the third important person and everything. And this man, the middle of all the cameras is slowly moving sideways. And the whole thing, YouTube said, he pooped in his diapers. You have reached to the pinnacle in your career and you poop in your diapers and you're moving sideways. What a shame. Because you did not live a lifestyle which God said you should live. I'm not, I'm not making this thing about it. I'm talking about, we look at all this and say, Lord, please, Lord, help me. I want to live a life. 
I want to live a life where you can use my body till the end. What is in my hand, help me to do. Help me to walk and live according to your rules, O Lord. Because your word is life to my soul and to my body. Therefore, know the heart of God. Don't limit him. Okay? Don't limit him. Our God is a very, very compassionate God. We know that wherever he went, he had compassion. And Isaiah 53 verse 4 and 5 says, healing, the entire healing of the whole man is part of the atonement. It's part of the atonement. Yeah. No, you are in Joshua 14. Yeah. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken. But verse 5. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity, the chastisement for our peace. What is the first thing a man wants in his soul? Peace. Peace. Right now you have peace. It is a false peace. Because you don't have issues in your life. The day you have to stand on your own feet, that's when you will know whether you have peace or not. Now everything is being taken care of for you. You don't have to worry about where is my food coming from, where is my fee coming from, where is my roof over. Everything is taken care of. But the day you have to stand on your own and fend, then you will know whether you have peace or not. That is something of the soul. And by his stripes, we are healed. 1 John 3, 8 says, For this purpose the Son of Man came, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So, remember, health and then healing. Healing is part of it. Part. And also when people are healed, we come to healing and then we go back to health. Okay? So let's quickly go through. How do I limit God from being healed? If you have an issue in your life, whatever it is, how do I limit God? 1 John 1 9. 1 John 1 9. If we confess, he is faithful. We limit God by unconfessions. We limit God by unconfess. Mark chapter 2, verses 3 to 5. Terrible case. We don't know how long he was paralyzed. He's brought by his friends. Roof is broken. Put down there. Then came to him, bring a paralytic who was carried by four men. They could not get. They broke through. They let him down. Verse 5. Jesus saw their faith and he said to the paralytic sons, your sins are forgiven. Sometimes you don't realize your sin is limiting God from healing you. Jesus looked right into him and he knows he's repentant. He probably tears were flowing down his eyes. He looked at him and said, son, your sins are forgiven. How do we limit God's healing, his life, his health from flowing into our lives? It's by unconfessed sins. Second, Matthew 18, verses 32 to 34. This is a man who refused to forgive. Okay? He says his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers or tormentors. You know, this is a torment. This is a torment. This is a torment. You have to fight it. You should not get bedridden as far as possible. Cannot. July 3rd when I had my surgery. <laughs> in the midst of the pandemic. It was postponed because of the pandemic. I had my surgery. I said, Lord, I'm going home tomorrow. It was Thursday, Friday I came. 
And I said, I'm preaching on Sunday. I ain't going to be bedridden. I am not going to be bedridden. Yes, it was a major surgery. Yes, it took three, four hours. Yes, all that. I'm not going to give in to that. I don't want to be bedridden because it will torment you. It will torment you. You know, God puts them in a sick of bedness. When we do not extend forgiveness. Or you are healthy, but your heart is a mess. No peace at all. Your soul is in a bed of torment. Look at Revelation 2 and verse 22. Illustration by Revelation 2.22. I didn't give it? Okay, 2.22. Indeed, I will cast her into a sick bed with those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. He says, I will cast you into a bed of torment until you repent. Like I said, no? Finally, when you are bedridden and your back is facing earth and your head is up, that is where you reach. I see you. A lot of people is restored from the ICU. Sometimes you need to realize Luke chapter 13 verses 11 to 13. Jesus comes to a synagogue. Okay. Behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity. She had a spirit of infirmity. Sometimes somebody needs deliverance first before they can be healed. Understand this. People need deliverance before they can be healed. Fourth thing, 9.22, Matthew 9.22. Jesus turned around and he saw her. He said, be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that. You need faith. Often you will realize your faith itself makes you well. Because faith is the channel through which God's power flows. And power is there, right there, but the channel is blocked. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. Verse 28, 29. Same chapter. When he came into the house, the blind man came to him and Jesus said to him, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said, Yes, Lord. He touched their eyes saying, According to your faith. According to your faith. According to your faith. We have to believe. We have to believe. There are so many things, so many things to be taught. Okay. God wants to heal you, and after that, He wants you to walk in health. Fundamental lesson. The problem is sometimes when you are not ready to obey, it is good not to hear. That's what God says in the book of Peter. It was better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. Because when you don't, you are just like a dog who goes back to his vomit. You heard about what to eat and what not to eat and after hearing, you go to the bunty and bite this much. Just like a dog. Just went back. It's better for you have not. At least the ignorance gives you bliss. It gives you bliss. You know, you don't know you're killing yourself. You're cutting short your destiny. You're robbing of your eternal rewards. You don't know anything. You're happily enjoying. The other fellow, destiny. Pastor said, destiny. 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 
after some time it doesn't taste good at all because every bite it is echoing in your head destiny 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 finally knee is gone only death a death death is coming the other fellow who is ignorant is eating happily and you look at him how can he eat so happily that is ignorance with young people it has to be told this way i'm telling you i have loved a regime like that Two years I was working with the underground church. I did not eat from outside. I woke up at four in the morning and cooked my breakfast, my lunch, and my dinner. I knew I was on mission. I couldn't afford to be ill one day because I used to have up to 13 to 15 services a week. All during the week, nights, and on a Sunday up to five to six services. I simply couldn't afford to fall ill. And I know one of the ways is cook your own food and eat it. At least you know what you are doing. Do you know what you are doing? You have to believe. Children, you have to believe. This all comes with purpose. This all comes with purpose. See, why was he giving these rules to Israel? Because he's making them a nation of purpose. You shall the smallest. I'm going to make you the greatest. You shall be a sign and a wonder to the world. And when they look at Israel, they will say, Wow, their God is God. One of you shall put a thousand to flee. Two shall put ten thousand. They will say, How can they do this unless their Lord is rock? And their rock has sold them. That was the purpose. But they never wanted the purpose. So God let them go. So you can have all these rules. You are not going to obey it unless you are defined by the kingdom of God. Lord, I have a purpose. And it doesn't matter what it is. Even if it is to be seen by nobody and spend the rest of my life, that is 40 years or 25 years in my prayer closet, in praying, I pray, Lord, I will kneel and pray. And I will not allow my body to stop my destiny. When I reach heaven, it will be told, you prayed my church through. And you ate well. You exercised well. You gave your body over. Nobody saw you, but I saw you. Remember, nobody saw Saul of Tarsus. Three days, he shut in his room. God said, behold, that man is praying. Behold, that man is praying. This is destiny. And we are looking at eternal rewards. Then you get a body, a new body, no sickness, no tiredness, no sleep, no slumber. Imagine a fellow, by some chance, by hook or crook, you can't make it to heaven, but let us say he made it by the skin of his teeth. Most of his life on earth he spent sleeping, but he made in the last minute, he made it. He reaches heaven, he gets a new body. His mind is saying, I want to sleep. But I don't know whether you sleep in heaven. He's looking down at his life and said, 40 years I slept. What a waste. Like I said yesterday's Q&A, you are tough on certain sins, very gentle on others. God is not. God is not. The drunkard, the glutton, the slothful, the adulterer, the sodomite. We, are, we become the sodomite. But the glutton is sitting in the church. The drunkard is sitting in the church. The fornicator is sitting in the church. Oh, pick on the sodomite. I am on the movement. We will not allow the LG. God said, wait a second. You are all on the same plane. The covetous, the idolater. See, we like magnifying certain sins and then, because we are involved in that. God doesn't. 
That is why he, the day of judgment will be a very surprising day. Come, worship team, come. We just read from scripture the morning. The table that should have brought health and healing, healing and health, can become from where sickness comes. Because we did not keep God's ways, His laws. Today what you are hearing is very simple. What you have already done, you cannot, you cannot do anything about it. You just go back to God and say, Lord, I am sorry. I didn't know. Now I know. Help me. God is for you. For any right decision you make in life, please remember, God is for you. And you can change. You can change. Question is, if you are willing and obedient, God's word says you will eat the best of the land. Yes, Pastor Peter, let's quickly go through. Can I have a stanza, please, Peter? King of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be. Lest I forget thy conquered brow, lead me to Calvary. Yes. Father, we just come to you, Lord. We thank you, Father. You came to give us life. You came to give us health. You came to heal our bodies and give peace to our souls. Help us to walk in your ways. Teach us your ways. And Lord, give us the strength to obey. You said in your word, if we are willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. Help us, Lord. Help us. Help us. You are the healer. And you heal us. You heal us, Lord. Even as we have partaken of the emblems of your body and your blood, let it bring spiritual, physical healing and health to everyone. So that we can walk in health and fulfill your purpose in our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Can I go to Acts chapter 9, verses 32 to 35? If you're sick in your body, understand God's, God's pattern. Acts chapter 9, 32 to 35. Understand God's pattern. If you're well in your body, then also understand God's pattern. Now it came to pass, as Peter went through all the parts of the country, he also came to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. There he found a certain man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. Can you imagine this man? Eight years, bedridden, paralyzed. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Oh, God is a healer. Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. He heals you. Now rise. Next thing he says is, start your life new, fresh. Start having order in your life. What do you do first? Make your bed. That's how you should wake up. That's the first thing you do. Get up, hold your shit. Put your blanket. What are you seeing? You're teaching a life of discipline. As I get up, I am bringing order into my life. He's telling him. There's a lesson there. He says, arise. Jesus of Nazareth heals you. Arise. Now, bring order into your life. A life of order 
is what God can fill. A life of order is what God can use. These are simple things. These are simple things. And then, if you are alone, or otherwise, get on your knees and thank God for the gift of life. It's order. You don't have to pray 15-20 minutes if you don't have. Just, just get on your knees and say, Lord, I just thank you. I just thank you for life. I just thank you I'm alive. I thank you you have a roof over my head, food on my table, clothes on my back. I just want to thank you, Lord. Order. Do it for one day. Do it for six days. Do it for seven days. You will realize something is happening inside of you. You are changing. You are changing, you know why? Because the order has come and His Spirit has started flowing into you and through you. Some People don't even do these basic fundamentals of Christianity, of a life of faith, and they wonder, why doesn't God speak to me? And the first thing, who's man, who's been paralyzed, who in their normal sense would tell a man who's paralyzed for eight years and bedridden to make his bed? Only God. You know why you ended up in your bed? Because you had no order in your life. It was a life of disorder. Start back with order. Order. You and I need order. We need order. That's what God is talking about. Scripture says Jesus was teaching. And Pharisees and all kind of people had come from everywhere, Judea, Jerusalem. And Scripture says the power of God was there present to heal them. The power of God is there always to heal us. The question is, do I, do I want to be healed? Do I want to walk in my healing? These are two different things. Do I want to walk in my healing? And fulfill God's purpose? Look, look how October began. Entire world history thing changed. You know why? Because the most important man right now living was diagnosed with COVID-19. The markets crashed. All the nation's capitals are up because they don't know which way it is going now. Just because one man, the germ attacked him. Everything, 500 points, the stock market crashed. And it started crashing all around the world. Because what is the world saying? This man and his decisions is propping up the entire world market. So when he fell ill, uncertainty came. God said, do you want that kind of uncertainty in your life? Do you want that kind of uncertainty in your life? Can you just surrender? And start right when you are young? Eat healthy. Cut down on junk. Cut down on junk. Honestly, I'm telling you young people, I believe a generation of destiny. Because the best should be the last. Because you said the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former. In a baton race where you pass the baton, the best are in the beginning and at the end. The fastest are kept at two ends. And if you are the last generation, When that time comes, God says, I didn't know when it was coming. I didn't know outpouring was coming. But I made my vessel ready. Now fill me, Lord. I'm clean. I'm healthy. I am disciplined. Just fill me. That was Joseph. That was Daniel. All young people. That's what God is talking about. I was telling them in the week, The devil's trap is pleasure. Pleasure should be a byproduct. It is not what we follow. You know, people eat for pleasure. People read for pleasure. 
People listen to music for pleasure. People watch movies for pleasure. You know what you are? You're just an addict. You need to have pleasure. Little times. That's fine. But life is not pleasure. Life is purpose. You know why we eat? For strength. Pleasure is a byproduct. It's a byproduct. And once we have lived that way, when we reach heaven, we will really understand what pleasure is because in his right hand there is joy and pleasures forevermore. Nevermore. I was teaching on Friday to the church. That is it, Elijah's training. You have to stand up on Mount Carmel, I'll teach you how to eat. First I will teach you how to eat. You will go to Kerith and you will hide there. And you're going to be brought, what? Bread and meat, twice a day. And how much food does a raven carry in your mouth? Can you understand? By the time he came to Zarephath, you could see him. His belly was sunk. Two meals a day. Not three meals for you. Because you're a man of prayer. So I want you to be a man of fasting too. The discipline in the kingdom of God is fasting, not feasting. He was preparing for a great day. And I'm going to be very careful. I'm not going to send you to a rich home in Jerusalem. I'm going to send you to a poor widow in Samaria. At the most she will give you dough, roti and pani. For the next three years. By the time he ascended Mount Carmel, he was ready to face the devil himself. Because he was fit in his body. He was strong in his spirit. And he could face hell itself. You have to see yourself that way. Now we are not saying live a lifestyle of Elijah. Elijah. If you, if you read Second Kings, the king, that fellow who fell from the lattice, sent his servants to check with Baal whether he would recover or not. On the way he met a man. He said, Is there no God in Israel? Then you're going to Baal. So these people went back. And he said, A man met us. What man? Strange man. What was he dressed in? King's immediate. What was he dressed in? He was wearing a leather belt and a skin coat. That's Elijah. How many years have passed by? How many years have passed by? Because the next chapter, he'll be, Elisha will be revealed, he'll be taken to heaven. We see him in 1 Kings chapter 17. We see him in 2 Kings. 15 years has gone by. He hasn't changed his fashion. He's not dressing for pleasure. He's dressing for purpose. And therefore he could be identified as one separate from the others. It's a pleasure driven generation. Not a purpose driven generation. Understand. Tighten your belts. Live healthy. Walk healthy. Read healthy. Watch healthy. And when the time comes, when that outpouring comes, for which 6,000 years all of humanity believers have waited where he promised, I will pour out the former and the latter rain together. God will have a set of people who will be ready, prepared, and they will say, fill my vessel, Lord. That's what happened in Acts chapter 2. 120 stepped forward and all of Jerusalem listened. Who are these men? Unlearned men. How do they speak like this? Prepared vessels. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your time. We have very little time left to prepare. Prepare. Shall we stand? Shall we pray? I'll pray for you. Pray in your hearts with me.
I've written down the prayer. So I will go through what I have written down for all of us. Close your eyes. Let's pray. Lord, my life is in your hands. And your word says, all things work together for those who love Christ Jesus and are called according to his purpose. Lord Jesus, I come and acknowledge every misuse of my body and my soul, which is your temple. I renounce all forms of sin, whether it is overeating, drug abuse, illicit sex, anger, rage, bitterness, unforgiveness, whatever your spirit shows, Father, I acknowledge and I renounce it in Jesus' name. And in the name of Jesus, I renounce every work of the devil in my life. I cancel every claim of the enemy over my body and my soul through the blood and the body of Christ. Your blood was shed for the remission of my sins. And your word says, by your stripes I am healed. I confess and I proclaim I am redeemed from every curse, inherited or by self. Because your word says, cursed is the one who hangs on the tree. You have said in your word that your desire for us is that we may prosper in all things and be in health even as our soul prospers. Lord, I pray now, prosper my soul first, Lord. Teach me your ways. Cause me to obey you and to walk in your ways. Lord, set me free. Set my minds on things that are above and not on things that are below. Make me a young man or an old man, a man or a woman of purpose, a purpose of the kingdom. Of the king. Make me whole O Lord. On that day when he walked on earth. Nine were healed. But only one was made whole. Just don't heal me Lord. Make me whole. For I want to serve you all the days of my life. I don't want you to end my years in futility. And my years in fear. I want you to end my years with purpose. And with boldness. And with power. For the power of the Lord is here in this place to heal and to set the captives free. And I pray, Lord, people will reach out by faith and believe and receive the power to be set free. For this purpose the Son of Man came, that he might destroy the works of the devil. We allow the Spirit of God to destroy every work of the devil in our body, in our soul. We will walk with God. And we will confess. If God is for us, who can be against us? And it will be written about us also one day as it was written about Joseph. The Lord was with him, with her. And he, she was successful. Thank you. Thank you Father. Thank you Lord. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you Lord. We commit our body, our soul, our spirit into thy hands. For your purpose. Be glorified in and through us, O Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen.
and Amen.